from the studios of One Jacks Productions. This is The Revealing, a ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, with your hosts, Senior Pastor Frank Silvaggio, Associate Pastor Robert Engel, and Praise Leader Chris Wing. And welcome back once again to another episode of The Revealing. Uh, thank you once again for uh, joining with us today. Uh, we are um, just grateful that you, uh, whether this is your first time or you've been tracking with us from the beginning, uh, grateful that you're uh, supporting this ministry here and, and um, just hanging with us. And um, we just want to continue uh, to uh, be used of the Lord, uh, to be a blessing, hopefully, to you um, and to uh, aid you in your Bible study um, and uh, to um, just be used for His glory um, during this through this ministry here in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, at One Baptist Church. Um, and so, uh, where we are right now, um, in in the the midst of a series that we've been um, doing on the uh, New Testament mysteries, and um, we are uh, this is our fourth one, fifth that, one, fifth one, fifth nice. One. Okay, yes. So uh, I need to. Um, get my ducks in a row here. You are correct. This is our fifth one. Uh, that means the last one would have been our fourth one. Mm-hmm. And guess what? The next one is our sixth one. Wow. So yeah, Did you go to school for that. So there's right. that. Yes, <laughs> um, you guys are lucky to have me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, uh, so yes, thank you for that. Um, but but uh, today we're going to be talking about the uh, mystery of the restoration of Israel and. Um, I know we probably say this about each one and all of them. That's it. (laughs) If you don't get any other one, get this one. (laughs) Um, But for real, though, um, you know this is so critically important. Um, uh, Last episode, we uh, talked about the mystery of the rapture of the church, and and so this uh, really uh, connects nicely um, with uh, that mystery. And and so um, we want to just jump right into it. Uh, So I'm going to uh, kick us off. Uh, if that's okay with everyone here in uh, Romans chapter 11 yep. is uh, where we find uh, Paul talking about uh, this uh, this mystery. Uh, Re- Romans 11, 24 is where we'll start. Uh, For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and wert grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these which be the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? And, and here it is in verse 25, uh, pay very close attention. He says, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, and so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, There shall come out of Sion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved of the Father for the Father's sakes. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. So, so we just want to kind of unpack that passage there, um, because there's a lot, a lot in there. Um, and, and before we do that, uh, I do want us to hit on um, where... Uh, this is found in in the Bible, specifically in the book of Romans, um, obviously Romans chapter 11. Uh, but um, one of the greatest problems Paul faced was reconciling in people's minds the doctrines uh, of the church with the covenants God made to the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. And so he, he, he always had to, to wrestle, so to speak, with these questions that continually surface each time Paul would preach in the presence of Jews. Uh, specifically, uh, are the promises of God to Israel now null and void? Uh, or, or another one, uh, where does the Jew stand in relationship to God in this dispensation? And, and that is what the purpose is of Romans 9, 10, and 11. Uh, to provide answers to those questions. And obviously, in his sovereignty, the Spirit of God knew uh, that these answers uh, would blast Satan's attempts to pervert the gospel with the false teachings of what the Bible calls the Judaizers, those mm-hmm. who were overzealous for Judaism, mm-hmm. um, who, who said that you had to um, follow the law of Moses to be saved, uh, namely to be circ- or to be circumcised and follow the law to be saved, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but 
Uh, some have called Romans 9, 10, 11 a parenthesis, um, so to speak, in the book of Romans. Um, and when you think of what a parenthesis is, um, it's defined as a sentence, uh, or excuse me, it, it, it's, it's a, a break uh, in a sentence or a paragraph that provides the reader with an explanation. And that's exactly what Romans 9, 10, and 11 do. They provide us with an explanation of how it is that God could set aside His chosen people for a period of time, and how it is that God will restore Israel at a future date, thus fulfilling all the promises He made to them. And that is so key, and that's why it's important, because God promised things, and if God is done with Israel, if the church has now uh, received all the promises that God made to, to Israel, if we are spiritual Israel, as some believe today, then God is not faithful to his promises uh, because he uh, promised his people uh, physical and literal promises. Um, and, and, so and his people being Israel. Uh, yeah, thank you for clarifying that. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you. Um, so so speaking of that, um, the Old Testament and God's promises there, I, I do want us to maybe just look there for a little bit and see in the Old Testament specifically uh, where uh, where we see that, Chris, wh- where God uh, makes his promises and what he has to say there. Right. So, I mean, I think of, of Genesis chapter 17 and, and 15, which goes all the way back to the, the covenant that, uh, that God made with Abraham. And in Genesis 17, uh, 7 and 8, he says, and this is God speaking, I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So all the way back in Genesis, you know, the whole point of this particular mystery is that God is not done with the nation of Israel as it's being portrayed in the world today. And you go all the way back to Genesis, and, and this is where he makes this covenant with Abraham, and obviously through Abraham come, comes the nation of Israel. And so he makes a covenant with them, but, but it, he makes a specific kind of a covenant with, with Abraham here, and it, it's what we would call an unconditional covenant where God says, I will do something. That means it's going to be fulfilled. It's not conditional based on anything that we, man, has to do to keep it. So there's two different types of covenants that God makes, conditional and unconditional. And this one is an unconditional covenant. So it's something he said he's going to do, and you see that where he says, I will, I will. And this particular covenant is that he's going to uh, make between uh, Abraham and, and his seed, which is the nation of Israel that comes from him, is an everlasting covenant. And it's, to, it's a land covenant. that he's something he promised them. And so, as you look throughout history, you can see that. Th- and the way we the way we know for sure that it was promised to Israel, is because Abraham's uh, covenant gets passed down to Isaac, Isaac, which gets passed down to Jacob, Jacob, whose name gets turned to Israel. Exactly. Yep. So just so we're clear that that's why we're we we know biblically that this covenant got passed down. Uh, to the nation of Israel. And, and it was for and, and, them. And, and not to the Gentiles. Right. To Israel. Yep. That's that's the track you find to, to back that up. And this particular land, <coughs> excuse me, you find in Genesis 15 and verse 18, it says, In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed I given this land from the river Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. So when you think about that um, geography-wise, it's a huge, huge area of land from Egypt all the way to Euphrates, the river Euphrates, and they've never possessed all of that. We call that we call that the promised land. Right. And uh, no time at any point during the Bible uh, has Israel, even in its greatest glory days of David and Solomon. Right. Ever uh, had all of that land. So that helps us understand that either God made a big boo boo and wasn't really going to give Israel all that land or. Uh, God didn't make a boo-boo, and he still has something yet future yeah. for Israel when they actually get it. Mm-hmm. What, in, in what we would uh, now, because we have uh, a full uh, revelation of God's word, uh, just so you understand, and that land uh, in the book of Matthew is called the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. And if we can correlate those things and understand those things, we understand now uh uh, and Chris, I don't want to overstep, uh, but I do want to make sure that everybody understands where the big problem comes in, in understanding of this future restoration of Israel, probably does stem back to this covenant with Abraham. 
And, and it's the failure of understanding that, uh, biblically speaking, uh, there is two fulfillments of this covenant. Number one is the physical fulfillment. That physical fulfillment, because everything that was made physically with Israel was made uh, uh, in, in the here and now, on planet Earth, if you will, uh, and that's the land and the, the covenant of circumcision. They actually had to circumcise their, ba- their, their, their children and things of that matter. It was all physical. But then there's a spiritual fulfillment of this covenant mm-hmm. that takes place into a greater amount of people, not just to Israel, but now this is where the Gentiles get grafted in, if you will, uh, where we, uh, the, 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 the Gentile slash church, if you will, has spiritual uh, fulfillment of this covenant. That's why we need to be, have our hearts circumcised. Uh, and, and that, of course, takes place in what, what the Bible calls the kingdom of, of God. God. Right. And that nope. grafting in there, he's talking about in Romans 11, 24 or 25 mm-hmm. there, right. about the natural um, uh, olive tree um, being grafted in, et cetera, et cetera. And the olive tree throughout the Bible is always a right. reference to Israel. Right. And and we get grafted in. Israel's the one that received, uh, as you said, I think, uh, Pastor Robert, Israel's the one that received the covenants of God. Mm-hmm. Israel's the one that received the word of God. Uh, Israel's the one that received uh, all those physical, tangible things. Salvation uh, is of the Jews, mm-hmm. Jesus right, said. Yeah. Right. And so Israel, without Israel, <laughs> the Gentiles would be done. Right, right. Okay. We get grafted into this in fulfillment of the covenant uh, with Abraham. It's a covenant of promise. Uh, but I just want to make that clear that going back to that covenant with Abraham, it's so, uh, especially Genesis 12. Uh, verses one through three, uh, so so important to understand uh, who the seed is. The seed is Israel on one hand physically, but the seed is also Christ on the other hand, and and, and all of 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 uh, the Gentiles were going to be blessed uh, by uh, obviously uh, Jesus Christ, which by the way came through mm-hmm. Israel. <laughs> but you you made a clear and a very important distinction is that there's difference between the physical fulfillment of these covenants pertaining to the nation of Israel and the spiritual ones that we get grafted into as the church. That's where I think a lot of the confusion pertaining to this particular mystery comes into play and and false things get taught from that. But just to go back to that Old Testament, as you were saying, Pastor Robert, uh, that is clearly identified that God made this covenant with them as an everlasting covenant and this particular covenant of the land, which they have never had fully obtained and so if God is done with the nation of Israel, then, like you said, Frank, well, he made a boo-boo, and God doesn't make boo-boos. So. <laughs> and then there's plenty of Old Testament pictures to uh, continue to identify that, but I don't want to delve too deeply into it. So let's Yeah, no, no, that's okay. Um, exactly. And, and I, I love, you know, just how, how that's just how God works, where, um, when we, where we see a doctrine um, specifically laid out, uh, lest we try to rest the scriptures or, or get confused uh, by anything, God will confirm that in picture and in type um, somewhere else in his word. And, and I just love how he does that to uh, confirm um, what it is that he's saying. Not that he needs to do that, but uh, especially in this in this, in this day where um, oftentimes we are uh, putting the, the word and authority of man over that of the Lord. Um but uh, nonetheless, um, let's continue talking about this uh, restoration of Israel here. And so, as we said, um, uh, you know, it is salvation is of the Jews. Uh, Paul said in Romans chapter three, there in verses one and two, unto them, uh, to the Jews, uh, were committed the oracles of God. I mean, you know, he didn't say that of any other people group. Um, it, it is no, it is of no other people group in, in the world, past, present, or future where God has promised to bless those that bless that that group and to curse them that curse them. It wasn't to the Irish. It wasn't to the Americans. It wasn't to the Spaniards. It wasn't. It was to the Jews. It was to the... It the, wasn't to the church. That's right. It, that's a big one. It definitely wasn't to the church. And, and so there's something to be said there. Um, and, and I kind of want to zone in for a moment um, on something that he says here. Um, that honestly caught me off guard when I was reading it. 
there back in Romans 11, uh, verses 24 through 29, um, he says in verse 28, as concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, uh, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. And, and who's the they that he's talking about? He's talking about Israel. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting that, that Paul says that, um, and, and so he's, he's calling Israel, um, in a sense, our beloved enemies um, for, for the gospel's sake is what he says. Um, now, um, it, it, it's a very curious thing um, because the Bible says that the whole world system is our enemy, uh, but God specifically, specifically calls out the Jew in this passage. Um, and, and, and just so we can see that confirmed somewhere else, um, take every person who has ever lived except for Jesus Christ, and God calls them sinners. God calls them wicked, uh, right? Um, and though that be the case, he specifically calls out the sexual persuasion of Sodom and Gomorrah and says that they were wicked sinners. Well, when you read that, you're like, well, of course they were. That that's true true everyone, but he specifically calls Israel out. He specifically calls the Jew, and, and so there's something different here. And so he's we know in Luke six, Jesus says to love your enemies. We get that, but why would he tell us to specifically love the nation of Israel? Well, yeah, Lord, we got that, and and the Lord's saying no, I mean it. You need to love your enemies, but you need to really love your your quote-unquote Jewish enemies. And, 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 and we're not saying that we are enemies of the Jews. Um, we support Israel. We love Israel. We believe Genesis 12. But I do want to kind of talk about that. Why, um, Pastor Frank, why does he call Israel, for the gospel's sake, our, our quote-unquote beloved enemies, so to speak? Any well, ultimately, on that? yeah, ultimately, at the uh, when it's all said and done, the issue is is that the Jews rejected their Messiah, mm-hmm. Jesus, uh, while they were uh, there on the day of his crucifixion, uh, having their 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 uh, their uh, the mob calling for Jesus's uh, death. Mm-hmm. You know, Pilate says to the to the to them. Well, I wash my hands of this innocent and blood. I find no fault in him. Yeah, I find no fault in him. May his blood be on you mm-hmm. and your children. Uh, and so, certainly, that's the problem, uh, because they rejected uh, their king, uh, their Messiah. Uh, that's why blindness, in part, has happened to Israel. Yeah, that's why we are in this parenthetical time of the Gentile period of time, the Church Age parenthetical time frame between the end of Daniel's 69th week, which ends with Christ on a cross, mm-hmm. and the uh, conclusion of Daniel's 70th week, which is the time of Jacob's trouble, uh, the Jews in, in the seven-year tribulation period. Um, so the, the, the short answer uh, is it's because, they, uh, because they rejected Jesus, uh, they have become enemies, uh, if you will, of God, uh, for the moment, and if he's enemies of God, they're enemies of God. They're they're enemies of uh, of us. Uh, now, when we say enemies of God, I do understand uh, it's only because of their rejection. Right. Uh, God still has a love for His people Israel, mm-hmm. and and that's why He said uh, that's why it says uh, uh, blinded in, in part, part exactly yes. until. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a, there's a there's a there's a definitive time when that until the veil will be lifted mm-hmm. and then they will recognize Jesus mm-hmm. for who he really is and of course if you follow Old Testament uh, prophecies what you'll understand is that time will come at the end of the tribulation period when they will recognize Jesus for who he really wa- really was and, and is and by the way Jesus won't return until the Jews mm-hmm. recognize him as Messiah. Mm-hmm. And you're saying that, and it's making me think of the Old Testament scriptures, which uh, pertain to that, which Hosea 5.15 says, mm-hmm. this is Lord Jehovah God speaking, I will go and return to my place. Which means he left it. He left it, right? Till they, who's the they in this, in the, and here it's Israel, it's the nation mm-hmm. of Israel, they acknowledge their offense, and what was the offense you just said? Mm-hmm. They've uh, crucified their Messiah. 
and seek my face. In their affliction, the tribulation period, they will seek me early. When they do, that's when they recognize, oh my gosh, we can And I would Messiah. keep going and read Hosea 6, 6 1, 1 and 2 I because, yes. yeah, go ahead, keep going. Right after not, that. Not that. Now, Jehovah God was talking in Hosea 5. Now right. the Jews are responding to what mm-hmm. what uh, Jehovah God said in, in, in Hosea 6. And go ahead. He says this in first two verses there. He says, come and let us return. This is the nation of Israel now saying, come, let us return unto the Lord for he hath torn and he will heal us. And now this is talking about national restoration here. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us, and the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. And a day with the Lord is a thousand years, two days, two thousand years, church age, two thousand years. Hey, I don't know. All I'm saying is, sure seems like something's going on here. So clearly he's not done with the nation of Israel. Blindness in part. And, you know, it, it was a lot harder for Christians to believe this before 1948, mm-hmm. right? Because Israel was not yet reestablished as a nation until 1948. So uh, I really believe it's a good thing for us that Israel has already become a nation because in this, you know, Laodicean church age, in this age of doubt and skepticism, even in the church, um, quite honestly, it, it, would, it would be very difficult for a lot of Christians today to believe this mystery taken in faith if Israel had not already become a nation. What do you mean that God is not done with Israel? What do you mean that Israel or blindness in part has happened? I mean, it, it just, in, in this church age, uh, it, it's just unfortunately so difficult sometimes for, for us to believe, thus saith the Lord. Uh, we, we, we often, you know, try to, as we've said in previous episodes, oh, well, that's a, just a spiritual truth, or, or you know, make up an allegory for it, and what, what he really means by, uh, by blindness in part, you know, mm-hmm. dot, dot, dot. Um, so, so I would just say, man, lucky, lucky for, or praise the Lord for us um, in this church age. Now, does that mean that today we wouldn't believe that if we were before 94? No, of course not, but um, we, we, we know that the day in which we live, and the Lord knew that as well. Um, but... Uh, I, I, I want to take the the remainder uh, of our time, or at least the bulk of the remainder of our time, and um, really um, zero in on um, a, a a teaching that is going around um, that that most I don't think even realize is going around, or that even has a title. At least those who are um, unsuspecting of it, um, and, and that is the teaching that God is done with the nation of Israel, that the church has. Uh, fulfilled uh, and being the recipients of all the promises that God once made to Israel. Now we are spiritual Israel, um, and and that teaching is called covenant theology. And so, uh, Pastor Frank, I want to um, kind of turn it over to you for a little bit uh, just to, to help us unpack um, what covenant theology is um, and, and its implications uh, for us today. Yeah, and so here's the thing. Uh, as you're listening, uh, especially as we are unpacking all the seven different mysteries, uh, obviously this is our fifth one we're unpacking, understand that there is a reason why God is making sure that we unpack these specific seven mysteries. Because if you unpack these seven mysteries and if you understand them, man, I'm telling you, most of what is is incorrectly being taught uh, in churches today. False doctrine uh, is 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 uh, done away with. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one being uh, e- each one has a, a, a you know, an important aspect to it, but this one here. Uh, so we talk we, we're talking about this thing as you said, and it's called covenant theology. Another name that has been tagged uh, is called replacement theology, and again the idea is is that uh, because uh, the Jews failed to live up to their expectations of God. Uh, God has uh, done away with them and has replaced the Jews with the church. And uh, we'll just start by saying, if that's true, uh, as Chris has said uh, in the beginning of the podcast, uh, then, then God's a liar and, and God is not fulfilling his promises because there are so many Old Testament passages uh, that you would have to either spiritualize or, or literally do away with, ignore, yeah. uh, ignore because uh, that's just the only thing you could do to come to that conclusion. Now, 
with that being said, uh, here's the danger. And, 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 and listen, uh, what, 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 what's about to be said here is not a puff up. It's not a uh, One Baptist Church uh, or the Living Faith Bible uh, Fellowship is better than anybody else uh, or that we are smarter than anybody else. Uh, what it is, though, is a fact. Facts are a stubborn thing, and you can't really argue fact. And, and, and the fact is 95% of churches today in America teach some form of covenant or replacement theology. Right. So that makes this mystery very, very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to understand what it entails, what it is uh, trying to convey, and the ultimate uh, failure uh, that it will cause if you fall into this trap. Uh, so, and because so many churches will teach some form of it, uh, obviously the danger is very real. Uh, again, uh, we're talking about how uh, covenant theology, replacement theology, teaches that the church has replaced Israel. Again, I want to go back uh, and say that Abraham and the covenant with Abraham is the key to all of this. Mm-hmm. The reason why people are teaching this is because they don't understand that the Abrahamic covenant uh, had a physical fulfillment and a spiritual fulfillment. Uh, we, uh, the church, uh, are spiritually fulfilling that covenant, uh, but we didn't replace the physical fulfillment of that covenant. Okay, Jesus is not reigning on earth in his church now. That, 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 that is incorrect. That is not, Jesus has a throne. His throne is called the throne of David. The throne of David is a Jewish throne that will be on planet Earth during the millennial reign of Christ. It is a physical, literal kingdom that will take place on this planet Earth when God lifts the veil on Israel, as he said he would do in Revelation 11, until the times of the Gentiles become in. Okay? Um, here's the thing about covenant theology, and, and, and I want to just really, uh, as quickly as I can, there's so many issues that we could talk about. But let's hit the major ones, and, and I think uh, then we can at least understand why this is so very, very in, in, important. For us to understand this, we need to go back to a guy by the name of Manny. Uh, this is going back to about 200 AD, somewhere in that area. Uh, he was the, uh, uh, he propagated what's called Mancheism. okay? It was through Manny's teachings uh, that a guy by the name of Augustine uh, picked up on. And ultimately what came out of uh, these teachings is, is, is this idea uh, Manny started it, Augustine really implemented it. And of course, Augustine, um, if you're listening, you should have at least heard that name before. Yeah. Uh, Augustine is one of the great saints of the Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he, his, his, he basically, for all intents and purposes, uh, is the form, formation of Roman Catholic doctrine. Not and, only that, but where John Calvin got a lot of his. Well, I was, I'm going there. I'm <laughs> yeah. going there. Okay. Okay. So, 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 so it's very, very critical to understand that Roman Catholicism didn't start. There wasn't a first pope, and Peter wasn't the first pope. Roman Catholicism knows they can't prove that. The first pope wasn't didn't come into play to about 470 A.D. somewhere in that area, mm-hmm. right around the time Augustine lived. Augustine is the one that developed the Roman Catholic doctrine that we know of today. Uh, Certainly more stuff has been added to it, but he's the one that developed it. And there was a very key book that he wrote that really pushed this idea of replacement slash covenant theology. And that book is called The City of God. In that book, what he basically portrays, along with everything I'm talking about right now, how Israel has been replaced by the church. He basically says that Rome has replaced Jerusalem as the city of God. Okay. And Rome, of course, uh, being uh, the, now the Roman Catholic Church in its spiritual sense, has replaced Israel. So anything that, any promises that were made to Israel were given to Rome. 
Now you know what the Crusades were all about. There you go. Yep. There's a reason why those those Roman uh, popes were going after the city of Jerusalem because mm-hmm. they felt that it was theirs. It's the churches. They own it. Uh, so many, many people, many, many people have died over this one simple little thing called covenant theology slash replacement theology. A misunderstanding of it has caused many to go to their deaths. Um, the other thing that uh, is very important to understand about Augustine, as you uh, mentioned already, uh, Robert, is that uh, Calvin got all of his ideologies from Augustine. Right. Now, we call it Calvinism today, and that's fine. We can put that. Calvin didn't believe 90% of what Calvinism teaches boy today, by the way. But what's interesting is the parts that Calvin did believe in and the, what a lot of what Calvinism teaches today came from Augustine. And, and all you have to do is read Calvin's writings to see how he esteemed Augustine. Oh, and, and That's not just were, us yeah. talking bad about him. Oh, no doubt. Himself, in his writings, no esteemed no doubt. the teachings. No doubt. Of, yeah. no doubt. Okay, so, 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 so I say all of this to say, okay, if you're going to be, and this is just fact, if you're a good Calvinist, I mean, you're following the teachings of, of John Calvin, and if you're a good Roman Catholic, you follow the teachings of, of, of Augustine, you have to be a replacement theology slash covenant theologian. You have to be, because that's what they taught. And so, uh, again, some people may be listening and going, Paul, okay, so be it. Those were good guys. And, and other people may be listening and going, I never heard that before, really. And then other people that have some, you know, maybe some more knowledge on this subject are going, well, that makes sense now. Now I understand where this all this stuff is coming from. Uh, Calvinism is not a biblical concept. Uh, replacement theology is not a biblical concept. You have to have been taught that system. Now I know if you're listening right now, and if you're from the persuasion of Calvinism, and you're from the persuasion of Roman Catholicism, you're going to say, no, that's a lie. Uh, no, uh, there's no way you can come to the conclusions that uh, Calvin has come to uh, without the writings of Augustine or Calvin. Take the writings of, cause of, of those two guys out of the picture and you will never come to the conclusions of Calvinism because that's where you get all this stuff called the covenant of grace and the covenant of this. and, 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 and all. It's all replacement theology. Right. It's, it's, it's Israel has re- been replaced by uh, the church. Now, what I do think is interesting is if you look at the book of Revelation, and if you understand Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3, and if you understand that uh, there's a historical precedence to those seven churches, no doubt those seven churches actually existed in, the, uh, in, the, in, in, the, in modern day Turkey today. Back then it was uh, 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 Asia Minor. Uh, but there's also a spiritual implication to those passages. But then there's also this doctrinal implication of those passages that I want to focus on right now, which basically what we're saying is, is that if you really look at those seven churches in, those partic- in that particular order, there's a reason why they're in that particular order. Mm-hmm. It lays out church history mm-hmm. from the time of the apostles until the time of the taking up of the church. Revelation 4.1, we spoke about that last time. Yeah. Comes right after the church age. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we obviously believe we're living in the seventh period, which the Bible calls Laodicea. Mm-hmm. But now here's the interesting part, okay? So if you took those time frames, okay, uh, and again, there's no way you can depict the exact time frame of stuff, but let's just say the book uh, or the, uh, the, the time of Ephesus was, most people will, 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 will say somewhere around 32 to 200 A.D., Smyrna, somewhere around uh, two, 200 A.D. to 500 A.D., okay? And then keep going, keep going, keep going. Go all the way up to Philadelphia, somewhere around 1,500, 1,600 A.D. to 1,800 A.D., Laodicea, 1,900 to now. I, I say all that to say this. In the period of Smyrna, in that period of time frame, that would have been the time of Augustine, Okay. In the period of, of, of uh, John Kelvin, that would have been in the period of Philadelphia. Now you say, well, why are you saying all that? Because uh, well, God specifically calls us out in his book during those specific two time periods. Again, 
the reason why I really believe these are seven uh, historical uh, 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 or seven uh, uh, depictions of the history of the church from two, 32 AD to now. Now watch, you look at the period of Smyrna. Look at uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. It says, Unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and alive, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And now watch, right around it, right around, Augustine would have lived right during this time period. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Mm-hmm. Oh, you just ramped it up a little bit there, huh? So, so, so listen, just by Christ's own words, he says, it's blasphemy to teach replacement theology. Don't call yourself a Jew when you're not. That's the synagogue of Satan. Satan would do that. Fast forward to Philadelphia, John Calvin's time period, right? Uh, and again, just to make sure we understand, look at Revelation 3, 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, all right? Now drop down to verse 9 as he's still talking to the church of Philadelphia. Behold, I may, will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. So here you have two very specific points in church history that Jesus is turning the, the dial up uh, to the attention of. Replacement theology is going to get taught during this time period and be very, very careful of it. Because it's the synagogue of Satan. Yeah, it's the synagogue of Satan. And, and listen, those aren't my words. The, the, Jesus turns the attention up on uh, uh, those those particular ideas. Now, listen. What are some of the things that happens when you try to take uh, what was given to a Jew and and, and make it uh, church related? Uh, there's so many different things we could talk about right now. We just talked about the land. That's why the popes tried to go get Jerusalem. Okay, mm-hmm. let's 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 fast forward that to the to the here and now. Um, let me just give you one. How many churches run around claiming that they have apostles and prophets? Well, here's the problem with that. Every single apostle in the Bible was a Jew. Yes, sir. Okay. Matter of fact, the requirement of an apostle is found in Acts chapter 1. Right. You, go look at it. Do you want to know what was required to be an apostle? You had to, from the time of John the Baptist until Jesus ascended into heaven, walked with Jesus. Mm-hmm. You had to have seen the resurrected Christ. And so my question would be, first of all, only Jews we're privy to that information. Only Jews walked with John the Baptist until the time of the ascension, number one. And, and number two, you have to be 2,000 years old to be an apostle. Yep. Yeah? Okay. And, and, and so the, uh, the point I'm trying to make is what happens, unfortunately, today is because we have people running around claiming to be apostles and prophets, think of all the stuff that's being added to the Bible. Mm-hmm. Because, hey, if you're an apostle, that means God can come to you in dreams and tell you stuff that's not in the Bible. And, hey, it, it, who am I to question it? Well, the problem is I'm, quite, I'm not questioning what little G God said to you in a dream. That's who it was that said it to you. Mm-hmm. What I'm questioning is, is that you aren't even an apostle. You're a, you are a, you're a fake. synagogue yeah. of Satan because you have replaced a Jew. You cannot be an apostle. And by the way, just so everyone's listening, if you're going, well, wait a minute, what about Paul? Uh, come on, Paul. Well, here you go. Beautiful thing, right? First of all, Paul was a Jew. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Number two, uh, you remember over there in uh, Matthew uh, chapter four, uh, three, excuse me, uh, when, when, when the Pharisees all came and had an uh, argument with John the Baptist? Uh, certainly, Paul, Paul, Saul, was a Pharisee. Uh, although we're not told he was there, we know what the criteria of an apostle is. So we must know that he was there. Uh, he was there from the time of John the Baptist. And did Saul slash Paul see the resurrected Christ? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, right on the road to Damascus. 
not only did he see the resurrected Christ, but he spent three years with him in Arabia. Yeah. So he fulfills all the criteria of being an apostle. Um, and so, again, uh, these things are critical mm. because if we mess this stuff up uh, uh, and we replace Israel with the church, which, by the way, again, I just want to make sure we are very clear. This is what the Jehovah Witnesses do with 144,000. Right. This is what the Mormons do, uh, claiming that they're from the tribe of Ephraim. This, how I could go on and on and on. Calvinism, ha- a good Calvinist has to teach replacement theology. A good Roman Catholic has to teach the teachings of Augustine. All of this stuff is critical. And then just think of all the denominations that come from all of that. Right. That's why we say 95% of quote-unquote churches today are teaching some form of this. And I just want to be clear, Jesus, not once, but twice, called it the synagogue of Satan. Yeah, I think that we've said this before. I think it's um, a key behind the where you come to and arrive to these this kind of a thinking is the f- is you have to spiritualize the scriptures. If you don't take them from a literal standpoint, I mean, you're reading scripture. This is what it literally says. This is what it, if you just take it for what it says, you'll never come to that. You can never arrive at those those doctrines that these particular groups think. And and so that's where the failure is. Is it's when you read this, they spiritualize or allegorize and that. And you know where they got that from? It, that well, that was another from, good uh, Roman Catholic saint. Yeah, it was a uh, origin. Yeah, yeah. He he was the father of the allegorical mm-hmm. method. And because of that, well, then like you said, you know, you can make you can make the scripture say whatever you want. I can you make spiritualize. A, I, can, them. I can make a roadmap from <laughs> Rochester, New York, to <laughs> Disneyland if I want to spiritualize scriptures. You can do whatever you want to, and then you can. That's the only way to arrive, as I'm saying, it, it, to this whole entire thinking of of covenant theology. You have to spiritualize it. You said it before. They make themselves spiritual, you know, Jews. They you just you just insert it. Oh, that's a spiritual. You know, that's that's how it applies to us. You know, and. And that's where this th- this doctrine really originates from. It's from a lack of understanding the literal dispensational teaching of the Word of God. And, and, and I think it also goes back to the whole idea of understanding that there are three people groups in the Bible. Mm-hmm. The church, the Jew, and the Gentile. Making sure you know which one's being talked to matters. Uh, it matters in, we talked about it last time, in the rapture, because there are three different raptures in the Bible that have to do with these three different people groups. It matters in, 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 in dividing the Bible uh, properly, as Second Timothy tells us to do. Listen, the book of Hebrews. I'm just going to guess that one was written to the Hebrews. I don't know. I could be wrong, but seeing how that's what it's called. I don't know where you're getting that from. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, how about the book of James? Unto the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Scattered abroad. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Israel. Uh don't go into the book of James and pull church doctrine. Mm-hmm. You're going to get yourself in trouble. Don't bo- go into the book of Hebrews and pull church doctrine. You're going to get yourself. Is there spiritual application? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because all scripture is profitable. But from a doctrinal standpoint, be careful. The Gospel of Matthew. Uh, man, uh, talk about a, a boatload of false doctrine being taught out of the Gospel of Matthew. Again, what was the purpose of the Gospel of Matthew? The ultimate reason for the book was to prove that Jesus was king over Israel. That's why you only find the kingdom of heaven in the Gospel of Matthew. It's a physical, literal kingdom. Uh, Again, uh, it's just these failures. Now listen, by the way, go to Matthew 24 now, Mm. and you'll realize uh, what is going on in Matthew 24 has nothing to do with the church. The church, Matthew 25 Nothing to do with the church. This is all about Israel because it's talking about the tribulation period. And the tribulation period is the time of Jacob's trouble. The church isn't there. The church has nothing to do with it. But because people don't understand this and they think that the church has replaced Israel, they make it all about the church when it has nothing to do with the church. Yeah, I'm done ranting. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting that when you just think about the nation of Israel, generally speaking, um, all throughout history, this is the one people group that has been able to maintain their nationality all throughout history, even when they were not in their land. When they were kicked out of their land, they still were able to maintain their nationality as Jews. No other people group in the history of humanity has ever been able to do that because what inevitably happens is once they're kicked out of their land, they get assimilated into other cultures around them. 
And the Jews are the only people group to never have that happen. I they can why. still maintain their nationality. Well, it was because of this very thing we're talking about. God promised he was going <laughs> exactly. to restore them. Exactly. And so he is going to fulfill those, the, that covenant. Obviously not done with them. You just you could just look at history and you can see it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, this is exactly how the adversary works. Yeah, to get into pulpits, churches, mm-hmm. uh, seminaries, mm-hmm. um, to distort, pollute, and pervert the Word of God. Um, and so, listen, if you're listening and um, you um, are you know, going to a church where these things uh, that we're talking about, that this covenant theology, this replacement theology, uh, where, where these things are taught, hey, um, we're not mad at you. Uh, if you're teaching them, well, that's a different story. But if, if you're caught up in that, um, listen, we just want to encourage you. Um, hold your pastor, hold your teachers um, to the Word of God and um, search the Scriptures and uh, see what Jesus himself said because um, th- this is not um, just um, a, 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 a minor issue or, or a preference or a, a denominational pet doctrine. Uh, this is the Word of God. Uh, this is These are God's promises that we're talking about. Um, and uh, it, it goes so much deeper than, than we were even to, able to discuss in the scope of this episode. Uh, but, mm. but man, we just want to encourage you um, and g- get to get to the scriptures and um, just let the Lord show you. Um, don't 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 even take our word for it. And, and Robert, you know, that applies to everything we've talked about. Absolutely. Right. So, how important is it to know the doctrine of the incarnation? Mm. Uh, you, this is critical to know that Christ became a man. How important is it to know Christ in you? How important is it to know you in Christ? How important is it to know the rapture and the difference of the three raptures? How important is it to know that God has not replaced Israel? That, to me, these now next week we're going to be talking about the mystery of iniquity. Mm-hmm. Okay, followed by the mystery of Babylon. And and listen, the mystery of iniquity and the mystery of Babylon has everything to do with all of the issues that we have from uh, Satan and his cohorts that are causing us to fall into uh, false doctrine and, and, and issues. So we're going we're gonna to really delve into those two things. But, but I'll say this, these seven mysteries are so critical to understand because it, I will, I, I've said this from the pulpit, you understand these seven mysteries, you've got pretty much 95% of what Christianity is all about. And you got it. You're in. Conversely, if you don't... Then you don't. Man, yeah. And, and, and 1 Corinthians 4 mm-hmm. says it's required of a student to be found faithful to these mysteries. And again, as you said, uh, Robert, to, be, to kick us off four or five weeks ago, you know, you said, how can you be found faithful to a mystery? You didn't even know you need what the mystery was. Yeah. If you don't even know it, you know, and one last thing I, w- I think is uh, interesting with all of this, you know, in the Old Testament, those Jews, they had to sub- set up a physical tabernacle that ultimately turned into a physical temple. Again, notice how that's physical. How about us in the New Testament? Mm-hmm. That temple is spiritual. It's in us. Mm-hmm. I mean, you start seeing the differences between this physical and the spiritual, and now you're going to start to be able to unpack what God's doing through the Jew and what God's doing through the church, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Listen, you can't take a spiritual kingdom by force or violence. Mm-hmm. You can only take a physical kingdom by, sp- by force or violence. And that's what Jesus is talking about, how the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence. And it's it's taken. You can't do that. You can't do that to a spiritual kingdom. Again, we could go on and on about this. But listeners, man, this is, we're all critical. (laughs) But this was another one of those critical ones. Yeah. And and, and before we sign off, you know, once again, we must understand that that God is not done with Israel, that that the church is not spiritual Israel. Uh, We are not Israel's replacement. Uh, that land grant in the Middle East is still good. Uh, it belongs to Israel and no one else. Uh, that their enemies 
Israel's enemies want to wipe them off the map, uh, and it is our job to support the nation of Israel uh, for good or for bad. Uh, we support and enforce that land grant. And, and quite honestly, we need to talk about these things because preachers, pastors don't anymore, uh, often, or, or for the majority. And, and if preachers did not stop preaching the restoration of Israel, there would be no nonsense of covenant theology. Mm-hmm. There, think about that. There would be no nonsense of the the American lost tribes of Israel about the church bringing in the kingdom of God, about uh, reform theology, Roman theology, replacement theology. If we could understand and properly place this doctrine, it would take care of all post and amillennial theology. Sure would. Um, this doctrine, properly understood, would take care of most, if not all, false charismatic teachings, mm-hmm. um, which, by the way, attempt to overthrow the theme of the Bible, which is that literal, physical, actual second coming of Christ and the restoration of Israel to yeah. himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so much, as Frank, as you just said, so much false doctrine that's cleared up. And, and I just am reminded uh, of the words of David in Psalm 119, mm. verses 104, mm-hmm. where he says, Through thy precepts I mm. get understanding, mm-hmm. therefore I hate every false way. Yeah. And and it, in light of that, it ought to be no wonder that Jesus said twice in Revelation 2, 9 and 3, 9, that those that say they're Jews and they're not are liars. That's what he says. Synagogue. They are of, of the Satan. synagogue of Satan. And by the way, a synagogue is an assembly. Mm. So there are churches today mm-hmm. representing Christ that are synagogues of Satan. It's a false Christ. That's scary. <laughs> That's it, scary. The problem the is most people don't take that seriously, though. Right. Oh, and by the way, listen, we're again, it's been said before, we're not trying to hammer or hate on any particular particular group of the Catholic Church, but they won't hate the Catholic Church or the you know Catholic, we no, love we hate everybody. The Catholic Church, we just don't hate it's the people. The, it's the doctrine. It's the doctrine. You got Just don't. Just I just don't want anybody to misunderstand because we do get into some deep stuff here, and we do actually call things out, and that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. And so when we do, I just want our listeners to know it's not out of a place of hate or anger. It's it's actually out of a place of love. Okay. Well, we Jude one three says earnestly, earnestly contend, contend for the faith, for the faith. And, and that's what we do here. So if you're if you're a first time listener and you're just tuning in, you're like, wow, these guys, man, they're hammering a lot of you know just bear in mind it's 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 done from a good place of love because we want the truth to be told this we're called the revealing we we reveal the deep things of god and the word and so if if you if you're just tuning in for the first time don't don't get caught off guard by that but it, it does need to be called out Amen. Amen. Well, we do thank you for joining us once again here at The Revealing. Um, We definitely look forward to um, hanging out with you next time as we we continue through these mysteries. Um, Looking forward to seeing you then. Thank you for listening to The Revealing, a podcast ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Senior Pastor Frank Silvaggio, Associate Pastor Robert Engel. For more information about One Baptist Jacks, please go to our website, onebaptistjacks.com. Dot world or email us info at one baptist jacks dot world.